welcome to the BU Career Ready podcast. Today's discussion will centre around what does career ready mean and how can it be achieved? Uh, We're going to find out a little more about the types of skills that employers are looking for, the support that's on offer from the BU Careers team and how students are putting that advice and support into action to help them navigate the employment market. Okay, so good afternoon. So today I'm doing a BU podcast about being career ready. And this afternoon, I'd like to welcome Brian, Jane and Dee and I'm Zoe. So um, if I could ask you, um, each of you to introduce yourselves, um, who you are, what you do. Um, Brian, perhaps if we could start with you. Hi, I'm Brian Heppenstall, I'm a former Bournemouth University graduate from 2003. I hate having to remember how long ago that was. Um, and I still work in the Bournemouth area, so I work for Bournemouth Christchurch and Paul Council as senior arranger at Hengsbury Head. Um, and we ran the 31st highest rated placement scheme in the UK this year. Excellent, thank you. And Jane? Hello, I'm Jane Pimblett and I'm the Careers Advisor at Bournemouth University Careers and Employability Service and I mainly work with students from the Media uh, and Communications Faculty. Lovely, thank you Jane. And Dee? Hi, I'm Dee Fielding-Cook and I am a final year Communications and Media student at BU and I've recently just come off my placement year at Airbus Defence and Space as their Communication and Events Intern. Excellent. Thank you very much. So um, today we're just going to be chatting through about uh, what career ready means to each of you, either as an employer, careers advisor or as a student um, and what your knowledge and experiences around being career ready. Um, So at the moment in today's current climate, um, it's very important to be career ready. Um, Brian, I wonder if we could go to you first off and just from an employer's point of view, what steps do you think students should be taking to give themselves the best possible chance of securing employment? What does, if somebody said to you, what does career ready mean? What what would your response be? So I guess that the first thing we'd want to know is um, which which sector are they aiming for? What what job have they identified as something they want to do, and how have they come to that decision? So, have they done a placement, for example, that has either shown them that they do want to do that job, or have they done a placement that they've worked alongside other people doing that that they they've quite fancied the idea of it? So, where have they got the idea that that is something that they want to do when they come to a, to apply to you to do it? What about um what as an employer what skills are you looking for what are you looking for from placement students and graduates is are there particular skill sets that you that are of interest to you so i guess um i mean kind of a working in a niche sector in the countryside i'd say things like livestock and um and chainsaw but obviously that doesn't that doesn't carry across all the other sectors so the easiest thing I'd say, and generally what we look for now, instead of instead of those attributes, because quite often, obviously, if we're dealing with graduates, we'd assume that they'd have the knowledge in those areas, possibly even more so in terms of current knowledge than perhaps some of our staff members do, because they've been exposed to the latest ideas and thinking on that particular subject. 
Um, so we'd be more looking for, are they the right fit for our organization um, in terms of the other team members that we have? And also their, their transferable or soft skills as well. So are they enthusiastic about, you know, the, the job that they're taking on? Are they enthusiastic about the organization that, that we run? You know, have the, do, they, do they know anything about us and why do, they, why do they think that they would be a good fit for us and we would be a good fit for them as well? So do you think that's all about doing your homework prior to any um, form filling that you might do or potential interviews? Is that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a timely podcast, really, because we, we advertised a, a six month role for three days a week. Um, and I guess the current pandemic has driven um, the amount of applications. So yesterday I did have to go through 93 applications for um, a part time fixed term post, um, which is which is kind of scary. Um, there were some really good applications in there, and some of those weren't necessarily coming from the conservation sector either. There were people that had done, some of them were, were marketing and communication um, students who felt that they could bring something new to, to conservation, which, you know, is perfectly true. We could do with better marketing communication people in a sector that's really important to get across to people um, how good conservation is. So, yeah, it would, it would be about narrowing down those choices, um, doing your doing your homework on it. Um, and I guess if I was to look at one application in particular, yesterday they, they listed a load of um, skills that were needed. And they felt it would be a good fit for the organisation, but it was all points about being a car salesman um, and working in um, an aerospace factory, manufacturing equipment. It felt a bit cut and paste. Um, from something else because nothing that they, they wrote down fit our, our, our job application at all. So whereas others really gave it some thought, um, you know, I've got skills in marketing and communication. I see this is a growth part of conservation. So I really think I could bring this to you. And actually applications like that can get you thinking as somebody who is employing about, you know, maybe taking a bit of a chance on somebody who really wants to be part of that company and can bring something different as well. Yeah, so maybe it's sort of thinking a little bit outside the box. And Definitely, yeah. Um, we, you know, we as a, as a as a sector, we we generally are quite um, narrow in in who we employ, and we do need to to make ourselves more inclusive. Um, and I guess for any team and any sector and any organisation, diversity always is shown to bring more more quality and a different different perspectives on different ideas and selling points that we all kind of need to keep what we're doing fresh. Yeah, so Jane, I expect that this is the kind of thing that you are recognising on a daily basis in the work that you do. Um, and obviously for students, um, thinking about career options and career paths, it's quite an exciting time. Um, and getting guidance and support is really important because often people, uh, they may have confidence in one area, they may not see things in, in themselves that others do. And actually that's and guidance can be really helpful. So what sort of things do we do here at BU as part of that journey, if you like, that students might go on? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, what we would say to students is never start too early. So we're even talking to students in the first year 
of their courses around looking at um, your strengths, your interests, trying to analyze where you're at and think about exploring opportunities. So even in the first year, students can take the time to, to go out and do things, you know, because quite often, even by the time they come to the final year of their course, they often don't really know what they want to do. So the more they can try, uh, and even if it's on voluntary basis, even going over to Brian to do some work experience, or even just talking to people. Um, I mean, the number of students who are quite nervous sometimes of just going to uh, a, a careers event, uh, and rather than just sitting there listening, uh, actually having a conversation with someone. So part of what we do is is um, helping students to craft what, what it is they're going to say and build up the confidence to be able to talk to people. Um, often they come with their CVs and applications and they think there's just one. Um, so what we tend to do is say, look, do your research, back, backing on what Brian was saying, um, and, and look at the organisation, look at what it is they're actually looking for and do a targeted approach to, to applying. Um, so we have workshops that we run for students. Um, we have uh, sessions that we run within their teaching program. Obviously, they get the opportunity to do work experience or an official placement. Um, and at the end of it, they can also talk to uh, careers advisors for one to one, see how that actually makes sense for them as an individual. So it sounds like there's, um, you know, there's a kind of theme running through here, which is about tailoring those um, sort of, um, you know, if you're going for a job interview or if, or if you're completing the application form. And D, is that something that you found? Is that something that you've um, seeked help on, on how to tailor or, or what your strengths and weaknesses are and actually how you can... Um, gather that support from um, BU staff in the careers team? Yeah, definitely. So I think 100% um, tailoring your CV and cover letter was something I found really helpful that um, I got from the careers team at BU is that with each application, a lot of them give you an option to add an extra documentation. So what I did is I had assignments that may have been relevant to the industry or I made an infographic CV that could have been relevant to the industry. And I think putting that extra document in really makes you stand out from the crowd. And because a lot of people can tailor their CV and their cover letter, but having that one extra thing really makes employers look at you and it helps them realize that you really have a deeper understanding of the industry and helps tailor your application. Yeah, so you're kind of making a proof point from using your, um, assignments to highlight those areas of knowledge and expertise that you might have above and beyond other people is that something that you've seen before brian have you seen people who've yeah um, so yeah D, that's a really good point from d actually and although so working for a large corporation our, our application forms are all quite standardized and we don't accept cvs which makes us kind of a bit narrow as to how we accept applications from people i mean the idea is it's standardized so there is a fairness to it it doesn't allow you to attach any documents, but what I have seen more so recently, and it's something I, I advise anybody going for an interview, in certainly in our sector to do now, which fits along with what Dee said, is to take along a portfolio of works with you relevant to that to that work. Um, and then the, the advice I've received from somebody in recruiting lately is to, to ask that, um, is to get that, that applicant to show you 
at the start of the interview, the portfolio to offer it up at the start, because then that means it can underline anything that you say throughout the interview. And it can also give you that last minute prompt to make sure you remember anything that you might otherwise leave out too. Um, so it's a really good point. And obviously you, you can physically take it along with you. And one of the best applicants I've had join our team and it was about an educational role and they bought an activity in a box with them with some cuddly toys and bits of pebbles from the beach and stuff. And it kind of, you know, they did a whole talk about how they'd offer it. And it, it just, it just felt like you were really engaging with somebody who had to do engagement as a job. Um, and Jane or um, and Dee, is this a, like feedback that you've had from, so particularly Jane, I think for you, um, from employers that BU work um, with, and Dee, probably for you on a personal level, whether you've had feedback from um, employers from interviews that you've been for or the one that you've just finished working with. Um, Jane, if I could go to you first. Yeah, definitely. Feedback from employers um, is, you know, the more you can make yourself uh, stand out as an individual and 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 be passionate about things um, that you you uh, do anyway, you know. So it doesn't have to be always directly related to exactly everything in the job, but if it's something that you are um, really interested in, you can talk about it and bring along some examples of things. That enthusiasm um, goes a long way because at the end of the day, the employer can always teach you how the the work operates within their system uh within their organization but the the willingness and and uh, uh wanting to have the job is, is half the battle um i think sometimes students get um uh too worried that um you know they've got to have exactly everything that's on uh the advert or the job description uh, and sometimes you know employers are open they know they know your students they know you won't have everything but if you've got that willingness and you can bring that personality across um in the, in an interview that that's that's what they're really looking for quite often would you say that as well d yeah, definitely. I think it really shows your personality. And I know in a lot of my interviews, it was generally they had a list of 10 questions and they asked everyone the same 10 questions. But having that extra thing about you and um, a lot of people would be like, would you mind just asking one asking one extra question that isn't on the list? And um, just because they'd be so interested about what I'd put forward and the things I'd said. So that would leave then a lasting memory of myself in those um, interviews. So I think having that extra enthusiasm and the extra documents or anything you bring with you really does leave a lasting memory of them, um, employees. I think often also it's about that mindset when you're you're trying to put yourself in that position or thinking about what knowledge and expertise you have and how that can relate to the job that you're applying for. Jane, is this something that you could the careers team can help with? Because that's that often can be quite a a difficult thing particularly if you've studied in one particular area and like we were saying you're moving into a different area it's it's almost trying to think in a different way yeah absolutely um i i think what we tend to do in the career service is if a student say comes to see us and they've got an interview um then we say to them well you've got through the first hurdle you know if, if you've managed to secure an interview that means the employer knows that you could probably do the job what they want to know now is do you really want it enough and what sort of you know research have you done about them so that you can ask 
um, some really important and pertinent questions. So what we do is we talk through students, um, you know, what sort of transferable skills have they got? So, for example, if uh, you're working um, in, say, a, a marketing field that's um, uh, you need to have um, uh, jobs done by a certain deadline, you could show that you can work to a deadline by actually getting your assignments in on time um, and, and getting good positive results. If you are working somewhere where you have to deal with customers and, and, and show, you know, some customer awareness and it's working somewhere like at Brian's um, place, but you've worked in retail perhaps before, you can use examples of when you've had customer service um, that will relate to the job that you're going to do. So we're, what we're doing quite often with students on a one-to-one -one basis is, is getting them to pull out what what skills have they got and, and being able to talk through that in a professional way in an interview so you know give an example of when you've used a specific skill and what was the result of that yeah so we use something called the star technique quite often for those sort of competency-based questions so we help students to analyze what sort of questions they might be asked in an interview and then think through how how they might evidence the things they already have and quite often students will um, take for granted a lot of the things they already have because they use it all the time and they don't think, oh, that's what they're asking about. So often it's a case of pulling it out and teasing it out with the students. What do they actually mean? And what have they actually done before? Ah, well, that could be good evidence if you're talking in an interview about something that's similar. And, and, and quite often you see a light bulb moment when you're talking to a student and think, oh, yes, yes, of course, that's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Um, so it's making that connection for the students, I think. And how is it with um, confidence, Dee? Because obviously that can be quite a, a, a major thing. So, you know, um, so often people aren't necessarily comfortable about talking about themselves. Um, but it sounds like if you, uh, the things that Jane's been talking about, if you can talk through it first, that that can actually help with that whole process until it you kind of maybe do it a little more automatically than you do at the beginning. 100%. Um, as Jane mentioned, the STAR method, I think that is the most valuable thing I've ever taken into an interview because you really can apply it to anything. And I think when it comes to confidence, I think um, a lot of people might get worried when it comes to confidence, generally because when you first start uni, you might not have a lot of experience or you might be worried you don't maybe have relevant experience or experience you're passionate about. But I think what everyone, every student should remember during these times is you can actually just create your own experience. We've got the means and the platforms now where you can create a blog where on something you're passionate about. You can do a YouTube channel. And I think when you start to then create your own experiences, then you're passionate about it, which then makes you more confident. So I think as well as having the sort of like official, more corporate experience, you can have that personal experience that makes you more confident. And it's a lot easier to talk about it in interviews. And is that more recognisable, Brian, when you see people come for an interview, you can tell the people who've perhaps done their homework and those people, even perhaps if they're not feeling too confident, that actually by do going through that process, you can still see through perhaps that they might be a little quieter than other people, but it's not always the people who talk the loudest that necessarily are the ones who um, have done all of that sort of work prior to 
Yes, that's a really good point. And I mean, in you know, whether it's a personal choice or, or better for my type of work, I'm not sure. But we, you know, personally, I, I tend to stay clear of, of people who seem massively extroverted in interviews because there's, there's a, a confidence that can spill over into arrogance sometimes. And when you're having to, to speak to people in terms of, say, enforcement, if you've got a family on the beach having a barbecue in the wrong place, then you want that dealt with sensitively and for that family to go away realising that they're not the worst people in the world for doing what they did, but maybe there's somewhere better they could do it. And I, I've seen that spill over in the workplace with with people, you know, upsetting others or perhaps others, you know, over overblowing their own their own abilities with too much confidence without providing evidence. So that is what we look for um, when we're talking to people is the evidence. And if they seem a little bit quiet or withdrawn at interview, but they can demonstrate through a number of means that they've done talks to 50 people in a hall, then obviously it shows you that they are, you know, I mean, Interviews are a bit like exams, aren't they, really? None of us were, were raised to, to go through those really very naturally and, you know, be able to be ourselves all the way through them. So I think as interviewers, we also need to be aware that the other person on the other side of the table just might be uncomfortable in that very unique situation, but maybe sitting there with a full portfolio full of evidence that shows that they're perfectly well equipped to, to deal with the job that you're asking them to do. Um, you've also spoke um, previously about a fit for your company. Are there sort of particular ways that you go about asking questions about how that person might fit? Is there, um, are there questions that you build into the interview process or is it more just a feeling? What? I think it's probably both. Um, so we, you know, you, obviously you want to feel like the person on the other side of the table is somebody that you, you know, that you can work with because, um, I often say that you could have the you know the worst job in the world, but if you work with the best people, it wouldn't seem so bad. But if you have the best job in the world and work with the worst people, would that make the best feel job feel so good? Probably not. I mean, I tend to think I've got both. It sounds a bit corny, but um, so you, I mean, as people, we do inherently pick up on cues from others, don't we? You know, body language, um, their values, and what they're saying. Um, but then we do we do throw in some other questions. You know, I mean. The, the last one that we usually ask in interviews mostly now is if we if we missed out on employing you or if we didn't employ you today what would we mean you know what would we be missing out on and the idea of that is to is to get to the root of the person that sat there in front of us to to get away from those lists of you know i've got this short course i did this for a month you know those things are really important but we want to hear the core of the person and what they care about you know, in my sector, that is a, a care for nature, you know, and that could be gained from a childhood interest with your parents. But it's through those questions you can start to peel away from some of those things. And you can see kind of people relax as well when they're when they're asked to, you know, it's almost a disarming question in a way that makes them feel like they can settle a bit and start to talk about something they do know quite well, which is themselves. And I suppose, Dee, that actually this is where you could bring in things that you might do outside like voluntary work or um, societies and those those kind of things is that something that you felt um has has brought like another level to your interviews definitely i really think it shows that you have a personality as well and when it comes to a lot of placements and grad schemes it isn't always just the jobs, the focus. So with my placement, we had um, the Young Enterprise Society, we had lots of STEM volunteering. And I think that showed the employers that you're not there to just do the nine to five job, but you're also there to get involved in extracurricular activities, 
and make friends and lasting relationships while you're at the company as well. So I think it's really important that you have to remember a job isn't always a nine to five, but it is, in my sound, that basically it is a life and you are going to make friends. And it's really is just more about the nine to five. So I think it's really good to show you have societies and you do have some more social elements on your CV sometimes. And is that something that you include within training, Jane? Um, yeah. About people making sure that they recognise that. Yeah. From the first year, we, we say to students, you know, make sure that you do get involved in something, anything. It doesn't matter what it is, um, whether it is SUBU societies, um, get, joining the Global Talent Programme, for example, um, doing a part time job, uh, volunteering, anything. It, it, it's just doing something that's going to make you stand out and give you something that you're interested and passionate about to talk to to employers. Um, it's about, you know, your unique selling points, I suppose. We keep talking to students about your USPs and, you know, why should an employer, you know, interview you as opposed to another student on your course? And it's usually the things you do outside in your own private uh, lives that, that, that might have the gold dust in there that they're really looking for. Um, so, yeah, we definitely encourage students to, to be doing things. The students that, that do struggle often to get their jobs um, at the end of the course, or we even see them after their course, are those that haven't done anything other than just their studies. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a personal choice because no one's going to make you do it. But I would strongly say to all students that, you know, why wouldn't you want to do that? Uh, it's going to be of interest to you and it's also going to make you an interesting person to um, talk to in an interview. I suppose it just brings um, people to life as individuals. And I think that's the, that's kind of what people are looking for. They want to know about you as a person. You know, like Brian, going back to that question I asked you about how do you work out, you know, what kind of person they are and how that fit will be. I suppose if you've done volunteering work, then it shows that you've worked in a team and you've done that across various different things, voluntary work, part-time jobs. It shows that you can adapt to all of those different situations. Um, Paul, yeah, definitely. So, definitely. so um, we, yeah, there, there is a problem in my sector in particular where, where voluntary work is something that is is a requirement. And often that, that really means two to three years of a graduate having to do voluntary work, which causes a problem with diversity because obviously people from um, more deprived backgrounds can't necessarily have the means to be able to. So, so there is a balance, but the, I think the important thing is, I think as Jane and Dee have both said, is that during university, there is opportunity to be able to um, do more with your time because you are in a in a period of relative financial stability. I, I know, you know, no no student is flush with cash, but you are in the support of of university to some degree. Um, and if that is you taking a part-time job because you can't afford to volunteer and that part-time job has really got nothing to do with what you want to do, then at least that shows that you've done something with that time as well. But the volunteering, it does, yeah, and there's lots of ways to do it. And we have also talked, I mean, I think Dee mentioned about obviously starting blogs, um, you know, there's lots of ways you can volunteer for people now. And I think that obviously the remote working elements have shown that that could even be done in the evening for some, you know, for some companies on a, on a remote basis. It doesn't have to be in person at a time to suit you or them exclusively. So there, there, it's, it's become a much more flexible way of being able to enrich your studies because that's effectively what it does. You know, you go to university to learn and then you can volunteer or take on part time roles 
to apply that. And I think it's through the applying that you get a more enriched experience um, and you're able to apply some context to it as well. And if there are other students that aren't doing that, then those ones are going to inherently be a little bit further behind by the, by the time they leave. So Jane, um, I'm imagining that you'd be encouraging students to come visit or speak to the careers team um, to find out how you can help them and what support's available. Absolutely, yes. I mean, all the students have access to our resources. So that's great. You know, they've got access to it 24-7. So they can find out what's happening on campus every day of the week. Um, they can find out how to um, access all these. The great thing at the moment is the fact that actually coronavirus has enabled students to have better access to employers because everything's online. So actually, it's never been easier to talk to an employer or to get involved with things um, remotely and you know the, the employers are actually really keen to um, work with students because they are on the whole a bit more tech savvy that sort of thing so this thing about working from home or doing uh, work remotely um, is actually of a ben benefit to students um, I mean when I was looking at these sort of unemployment figures it is dire for the 16 to 24 year olds but it's not so bad for for university students and graduates because they have that ability to pick up technology a lot easier and they've got the, the, back, the backing and the support of um, the university careers services and we continue to support students for up to three years after they finish their course as well which is um, quite um, a surprise to a lot of students because they think you know once they finish that's it they're on their own um, but we continue there to help and support them they can come along to our events um, they can have help and support on a one-to-one -one basis um, you know anything that that we provide to our current students continues on afterwards as well so it's great to hear back from students and to put students in touch with our alumni as well so the whole thing becomes then a cycle of support um, so yeah I, I think you know there's an awful lot that students can get out of using the service um, and at different points in time they'll be accessing different things so I think probably um, for final year students now they're thinking about their graduate schemes the the second year students are tr thinking about how to access placements and look at you know getting some work experience for their third year the first years are probably looking at getting a part-time job to pay for their um, you know, their their first year studies you know so they're all at different points but we've got the, the support there for them. Um, so we have, you know, job vacancies, we have information about when online uh, events are with the employers, we have careers fairs, we invite employers in to talk to them virtually, of course, at the moment. So, you know, there's, there's loads and loads of things happening every day. Great. And Dee, probably if I could come to you finally, um, what would your um, what would you say to other students who are seeking employment? What what would be your practical advice? Um, so I think practical advice when it came to applying is just set a time, an hour a week, um, two hours a week, where you just sit down and apply and have a look at some jobs. And also, when you see a job you like, just apply for it. I think a lot of 
students in second year, you see a placement, you're like, oh, I'd love to apply for that. And then they close really quickly, and especially with this competitive environment with coronavirus. I think if you see a job you really like, just sit down and apply for it. Like you've got nothing to lose. Don't be worried and don't overthink about applying for it. And then just be really con consistent with applying. So when it comes to placement and grad schemes, they start opening now, but then you can apply up to June next year. So I think just stay consistent an hour a week until you find one or find one that you really like and don't have um, a, maybe a week where you apply for 10 and a week where you apply for none because they do come out and it's very consistent when they get released and when deadlines and things are. So I think be consistent and don't be worried to apply, just go for it. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I think I back that up because we, we say to students that, you know, you need to be thinking early because for graduate schemes, for example, some of them start being advertised a year ahead. So for students that are leaving university next summer, um, their graduate schemes will be advertised from August this that's just gone. So um, some people have already applied and, and managed to get a, a graduate scheme for when they finish. Um, then after that, you're you're looking probably after Christmas when sort of graduate level jobs are starting, not the graduate schemes, and then those will go right the way through to till when um, the students leave. But you know, particular jobs they need to apply early, and the same with the the placements as well. So um, I think sometimes students are surprised how early sometimes they have to um, sort of prepare for um, their next step. So. Uh, if you find as well, I find with some students that um, they come and see us, perhaps if they're applying for placements um, and they're not getting anywhere. If you find it's you're not even getting an interview, there's obviously something perhaps wrong with your application. So it could be your CV or the way you're filling in your application forms. If it's a case of you're getting to an interview and then you're not successful, then it might be that the students need some help and support with their interview technique. You know, they may be nervous and with all of those things, we can help. So students often book appointments to talk through their applications, their CVs, or even do mock interviews with us. So, you know, we'll sit down and we'll take them through the interview process and then give them feedback on their performance. So all of that's there as well, um, on top of everything else. So I'd like to thank everyone for joining the discussion today. Brian, Jane and Dee, thank you for your time. Uh, you can find more podcasts from us by searching for Bournemouth University on your podcast app of choice. Thank you.